Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Welcome back to another week of travel news, travel tips, and some travel chats. My favorite subject, of course, all about travel. And I tell you, travel is back in full effect. I have been traveling a lot and other people have been traveling a lot and a lot of things are happening. We're really getting back to air quotes here, normal travel, although there are some new normals that we have to contend with, which is very, very important for you to know. Yes, things have really changed. And I think some things that have been put in place since the pandemic will not go away, but there's some good news that's coming as well. Well, today I am chatting with two people who travel solo. Is that something you've ever done or considered? Really to just kind of go it alone, go out and venture somewhere near or far all by yourself. Both of these young ladies that I have on today are women and both are black women from different countries. They share their stories, their experiences, and the catalyst of becoming a solo traveler. And they'll also give us some tips to help you and encourage you for considering solo travel. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and of course the Culture Report will continue our conversation with solo travel. But first, I've got some travel news. The unfortunate situation that happened to Shanquella Robinson that resulted in loss of life. So, 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 so sad. And one of the reasons I want to talk about it, especially as a travel story, is because they traveled to Mexico. This was a trip of friends that decided to travel together in celebration of one of the friends' birthday. And I'm just going to kind of give you some of the timeline as we know. Things are fluid, so things are changing. So by the time this show airs, some things may have been updated and or changed. But it was October 28th that Shanquella Robinson flew to Cabo, Mexico with a group of friends and they stayed in a villa that they booked in the area. There were seven of them total, including Shanquella. Unfortunately, in just 24 hours on October 29th, Shanquella Robinson had lost her life. On October 30th, the six friends returned to the United States, cutting their one-week trip short. Filling in some of the details we now know from interviews by her parents, posts on social media, and official information that has come out from Mexico is that on October 29th, her mother spoke to Shanquilla's friend, whom her family knew who had traveled with the family and met them and spent time with them, so they knew him well, but informed her that Shanquella was not feeling well. Then a second call with the mother was to inform her that medical officials were giving her CPR. The same friend, after returning to the United States, delivered Shanquella's suitcase to her mom and informed her that Shanquella had died of alcohol poisoning. Later on, Shanquella's mother received the medical report and autopsy that indicated a broken neck and fractured spine. 
The death certificate obtained by Nexstar's WJZY lists the cause of death as severe spinal cord injury and atlas luxation, which is the instability in the uppermost vertebrae. The group stayed at Villa Linda 32, a property listed on CaboVillas.com. A representative of the company said the group of friends called the concierge for help on Saturday afternoon. The concierge called a doctor, who then gave her CPR. But the timeline of events continued to change. Initially, it was reported that the time of death was 3 p.m. But now, according to a news article from Metro Polymix, which is a Mexican paper in Cabo, stated that medical assistance was requested at 2.13 p.m. on October 29th, that the doctor arrived about an hour later. And they knew that they needed to take her to the hospital, but her friends refused and said to treat her there. They tried to administer an IV, which they were unsuccessful with. Now, the friends told the doctor that Shanquella Robinson had drank a lot of alcohol and was unstable. And the doctor said that the vital signs were stable, but was dehydrated and unable to communicate. Gutierrez, who is the doctor that's on call for the resort, told the group that she wanted to transfer Robinson to the hospital, but this is when the friends insisted that she be treated at the villa, where the doctor tried to administer the IV without success. About an hour afterwards, Robinson suffered a brief seizure. This is according to the state's police report. At about 4.20 p.m., the patient's friend named Winter Donovan, who was also the one that called the concierge or made the first call to the concierge for assistance, then called 911 to request an ambulance to come to the villa for Shanquilla Robinson. But in the meantime, the patient presented with difficulty breathing and a lowered pulse, and they gave her what they call rescue breath, CPR. And this was the doctor and one of the friends started CPR about 4.49 p.m., but her heart soon stopped beating. This is according to the observer. So at 5.25 p.m., the police reportedly arrived. Paramedics administered a total of 14 rounds of CPR, five doses of adrenaline, and six discharges. We're talking about the defibrillator shocks, all without success. This is according to the reports. Now, last week, the state attorney general's office of Baja California, sir, said that an investigation was initiated for femicide, a hate crime in which women are killed due to their gender. So this is just an investigation into whether or not it's a femicide. And according to some reports, this is the process that Mexico goes through to first determine whether or not it was femicide. I believe that since it has been upgraded to homicide, but no arrests have been made right now. And I don't believe that it is an official ruling yet. The death certificate has a section that reads, was it accidental or violent? In which only the word yes was typed into that section, but it's unclear which of the questions authorities were answering. They were to actually put accidental or violent, whichever the case was, but in this case, they just indicated yes. There was a list of the seven guests who signed into the villa and called the phone numbers that were left with the company. Some numbers are not valid or no longer valid. Others went to voicemail and all of the social media accounts have been deactivated or taken down. Now, according to 
Shanquilla's mother, she stated that she probably won't be at ease until someone is arrested. So, and I have to say that the FBI said that it has opened an investigation in the case. The U.S. State Department and the FBI are putting pressure on Mexico to make a ruling so that it can be ruled homicide. And then Mexico and the United States have extradition agreements so that if that's the case, a warrant for their arrest can be placed in the United States to send them to Mexico. But since it happened there, then they would have to be tried there. Let's really talk about it. This is so tragic. Shanquilla's father believes that his daughter was set up. And there was a post or comment on social media from someone who knows the people who went on the trip. And that comment stated that a relative of one of the six was murdered and that Shanquilla had allegedly set him up. This is the belief. Then later it was revealed on social media that Winter Donovan, one of the travelers who decided to join the group at the last minute, had a cousin who recently passed away. There's also another video that has surfaced on social media that has subsequently been taken down, which is very difficult to find. I have not found it or seen it, of the same person talking about Winter Donovan also fighting. And in this case, I should say beating because there's no indication that Shanquilla was fighting back. And the video supposedly shows Shanquilla Robinson being grabbed by the neck and then body slammed. There definitely seems to have a backstory here. And it is very, very tragic. So before I impart some tips, I really want to say that my heart and condolences go out to the Robinson family, and I hope that they get the justice that they deserve. Hopefully, this gives us pause and will make us all more cautious when traveling with friends, or shall I say frenemies. Certainly, if you don't trust them before the trip, either don't travel with them, have your own accommodations, and travel with a buddy who you know will have your back. Apparently, she did have a buddy on this trip. Doesn't seem like he had her back. Know who you're traveling with, especially before staying in private accommodations. Whenever you're traveling, register for STEP, the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program that gives you access to and assistance with the State Department. I mean, they're there for you anyway, but this really allows you and helps you with better contact and then better contact with you as well. Know when to excuse yourself from a situation and environment. Have a credit card or extra funds in case you need to get other accommodations. And also know 911 in other countries. Fortunately, they had enough sense at the time to contact concierge to get assistance, but it was all too little too late. And unfortunately, she suffered some fatal blows. The FBI is investigating Robinson's death amid conflicting reports. And as previously reported, Robinson's family believes there was foul play after obtaining an autopsy that stated she had a broken neck, despite her friends claiming she had alcohol poisoning. If you or anyone you know have a tip or suggestion or want to talk about the story, you can text TIP to 310-388-6463. Again, that is TIP. 3103886463. This story really breaks my heart because it's just so unnecessary. As we've just passed Thanksgiving, the first major winter holiday part of the season, we are now bracing for the Christmas and New Year holiday travel period. But there's some good news on the horizon and that is 
Southwest Airlines has hired more than 15,000 new employees this year, so has American Airlines. Airlines for America, which lobbies for Delta, United, and American Airlines, says there are 10% more pilots working for Airlines for America carriers now than pre-pandemic. American Airlines CEO Robert Isom has said repeatedly that a pilot shortage at the regional level is one of the biggest constraints to the company's overall capacity plans. Three American Airlines regional providers are offering $100,000 bonuses to new pilots. For American Airlines, on contract basis, they have just announced that they will issue $100,000 bonuses to select new hire pilots for Envoy Airline, Piedmont Airlines, and PSA Airlines. Some of the regional and smaller airlines and airports are the ones that are suffering the most with the pilot shortage. The offers are extended from November 15th to the end of the year, and the bonus is an attempt to help bridge that gap between the number of FOs and captains, that's first officers and captains at the regional airlines. There is a growing pilot shortage. The U.S. is currently short approximately 8,000 pilots. Without these pilots, many routes and destinations go underserved and unserved altogether. The shortage has hit regional airlines the hardest. When a pilot meets the qualifications to become an airline pilot, they usually start with a regional airline like an Envoy or PSA or Piedmont Airlines. So it's good news on the horizon that we're getting more pilots, more airline and airport staffed, which should help out with the busy holiday season and the busy 2023 season to come because we are back to those pre-pandemic levels and in some cases exceeding those pre-pandemic levels. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and two female solo travelers who will tell you why they do it and how you can too. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, TravelingCulturati.com, Make sure you also follow me on social media and join that travel club. We go some fantastic places and we want you to join us and have these wonderful culturally immersive experiences as we do around the world. And now Javon's Travel Minute. It's time for some more travel tips to live by. Now we all want to save money when we can. However, I caution you to be frugal but not cheap. You know the old saying, you get what you pay for. You don't want to be penny wise, but pound foolish. Look for deals and don't waste money, but don't miss out on great experiences or go out of your way to save just a few bucks that will only cost you more in the end. Think also time and transportation. For example, a better price at a hotel that is near nothing, you will spend a lot of money getting everywhere. So think about time and money because time is money and you want to spend both of them wisely. Take earplugs or have headphones. Now, I'm not one to wear earplugs, but I keep my headphones on not only to listen to music or watch a movie, but to also drown out the noise. Now, if you're sharing a room with someone, you may want to bring earplugs, especially if it's me. 
because I sleep with the television on. (laughs) And those snores are everywhere. Always have an extra USB charger. Some apps that are running in the background can drain your battery unexpectedly. Lastly, take photos of and with people. So many times we take photos of people, landmarks, and sceneries. Other times we're taking photos of ourselves. Try taking photos with people as well, especially engaged in activities. It also provides you with wonderful memories. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Today, we're talking to two very dynamic and interesting solo travelers, Black female solo travelers. And the reason I want to make that distinction is because, first of all, being a woman in this world, you know, you have to know how to navigate things, as well as being a person, an African-American, a Black person or a person of African descent. We know that there are going to be some challenges and some extra experiences that we may have that others may not. So right now I'm talking to Pelumi Nubi, a travel enthusiast with a mission to show that traveling can be easy, safe, and most importantly, doable, especially as a Black female solo traveler. Well, hello, Pelumi, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited. (laughs) Absolutely. So where are you now? I am currently in London. That's my base. When I'm not, you know, gallivanting or traveling, I try to be home, which is London. I see. Well, and you know, for those of us who travel a lot, those periods when we're back home. (laughs) (laughs) That's a whole other episode. (laughs) (laughs) Many times my friends are like, let's go out. I'm like, you know, I've been out. I've been around the world. I I want my little space, my little cubby at home, you know? (laughs) Do you have that same experience? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm home to be home. Like you find me under my duvet or just like working on all the things I've neglected doing for so many months. So yeah, it's exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they understand, you know, their home experience and exploring their own backyard, which is a great thing to do. It's just that when I come back from being on the road, I just want a cocoon. (laughs) Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you on that one. (laughs) Now, now what are your origins? Were you born and raised in London? I was actually born in Lagos, Nigeria. So I grew up there and I spent the first 10 years of my life in Nigeria. And then I I relocated to the UK and I've been here. So Nigeria is home, London is home, but that's kind of like my history. So how long have you been traveling solo? I think since I kind of immersed myself in the travel world, which was in 2017. So I'm trying to do the math real quick. It's been a while, hasn't it? (laughs) Five, six years. Yeah, I think it's just been the convenient thing for me. You know, we're going to go deep into solo travel, but being able to set my own schedule, being able to determine like I want to do this or I want to like, you know, go out without needing too many people involved in it. Yeah, I will say it started five, six years ago and I'm just obsessed with it. I absolutely love it. But, you know, we are social creatures by nature. It's just who we are as human beings, you know, starting Uh with our families and then our villages. And then we expand out and we become part of the global village. But there's so many of us now I have called myself an omnivert because I'm a little bit of both. There are times where I'm extremely extroverted and anybody who knows me in that space couldn't believe that I'm an introvert. But there are times where I need that 
introverted kind of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can be the life of the party, but at one point you find me upstairs and the party is still going on. I just kind of turn off. I think it's just that kind of we've been able to juggle both and it's quite hard for people to understand when I need to decompress, I need to get out of that situation. But yeah, it's really just enjoying the social aspects of things, but being self-aware enough to be able to say, you know what, I need to refill myself and kind of take in a mental note because I feel sometimes you can just be doing things so much, you don't really get time to kind of process things. And that's what solo travel enables me to do, to just process my thought, process my goals. Have I met them? I, do I need to work on certain area of my life? So it just gives me that me time, which I find so valuable. Absolutely. How do you carve out that space when you are traveling? Because, you know, we're encountering people every step of the way from Mm -hmm. the moment we leave our front door to getting to the airport or the train station and so forth and so on. So how do you manage that then? Yeah, I always say that's kind of the beauty of traveling. The fact that you always meet people. And people are always asking that question, are you going to be alone? Do you feel lonely? And that's another total different topic. But I think just being intentions, I think intentionality is a very key thing when you're planning your travel. So I've like gone on certain trips where it's almost been like a retreat or like an unplug experience, whereby those are designed for people to isolate or to genuinely leave you alone in those spaces, whereby you can do things like that. So doing like a unplug cabin, like you are going to this place, but it's very minimal human contact and you can design the trips like that for that particular reason. If that is not the case, if it's like a longer trip and you cannot isolate for that period, you can just like take certain time off, like in the morning, you know, maybe have like breakfast delivered to you in the room rather than you going downstairs to the lobby where there's someone that will want to have a conversation with you. So it's just being intentional and just kind of seeing ways you can cover time, you know, by yourself whilst traveling. And there are ways, there are ways to be creative about it. Absolutely. Now, have you ever had a travel experience that was daunting, maybe earlier on in your travels before you learned more and more how to navigate those? Oh, yeah. Traveling with a travel buddy that we didn't get along very well at the end of it. (laughs) That's a whole different story. I think definitely vetting who you travel with is very important and make sure that there's common grounds and common goals. But just the navigation of newness, I think I get excited about just trying to think new things. And I think a lot of people are scared of failure. They just feel like they failed. You missed the flight. You failed. No, it's just a learning experience. You get better and better. It's a skill that you just have to practice and become better at. So just taking up that pressure of failure and just being like, okay, you know, it cops happen, you know, what to do? A flight lost my bags. I know to report it. I know to make sure I get evidence and things like that. But all this comes from experiences and it will happen if, if it doesn't happen. You know, <laughs> you won't get experience if you don't have these hiccups. So yeah, I think just no pressure in tagging things as failure. Oh my God, it's so horrible. Like you have one experience and it ruins the whole of the holiday. I try to make sure I'm compactalizing things and just like, okay, I had a bad experience in the airport, but the rest of my holidays will not be ruined. Yeah, I think it just come by, like you said, experience and just over time, you just become so chilled about it. It's like second nature. And I was like, oh, you know, something's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> well, things are going to happen. Those of us who travel, we just know things are going to happen. As they say, crap happens. <laughs> you know? exactly. It's just really how you handle it and, and, <laughs> and deal with it. But the other point that you made is 
if you are, and I'm sure that sometimes being a solo traveler mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're by yourself all the time. Sometimes you may meet up with someone, but knowing Nobody. someone mm-hmm. and knowing how well they travel and how they're going to handle those kinds of hiccups that you and I know are going to happen. You can't freak out. Don't let it ruin your entire journey and destination and vacation on one little thing that you can easily overcome. Yeah. Have big conversation, have detailed conversation before choosing your travel buddy. Are they early bird riser? Do they use social media like you do so that, you know, if you're taking too many pictures or not? Money is always the thing that is a big thing, like, you know, budget, like is their budget matching? What is their interest? Do rough itineraries. So, you know, you like galleries and you like museums and stuff and they're totally against it. Imagine having that every single day of your itinerary. There will be conflict straight away. And also not Knowing that you could travel with someone and just do your own things. And that's okay. Again, all this can just be solved if conversation I had beforehand. But yeah, I learned. I learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> and was probably the catalyst to solo travel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of here. I can do this by myself. <laughs> Yes and no, but yes, it was a factor. You then, when you do it solo, and you're like, damn, like I can wake up when I want to wake up. I can eat when I want to eat. Like you know, I can be like, you know what? I'm bored. I'm out of here. I'm doing something else, and nobody will be offended. Nobody will feel like you wasted their time or whatever. It's a breath of fresh air. I always tell, if you've never solo traveled before, just go for it. Like you will feel, find yourself just exhaling because you discover the self resilience and the self confidence that you have within you that nobody can explain until you go through it when you navigate somewhere new when there's language barriers and when you're able to just end the day and you're like oh I did that you know and that then translates your everyday life so it's not just solo travel that's impacted your confidence in your everyday living increases dramatically because you're like I can do this I can problem solve and I can navigate I can do hard things so yeah that's the gift of solo travel. That's powerful. It's powerful because it impacts your life. And as you're saying, gives you that confidence and courage. And it takes away the doubt of what you're capable of because you've experienced so many things along the way. So what you just said was extremely powerful. What was your most challenging experience as a solo traveler, as a Black and female solo traveler? There's quite a few of them that pop into mind as you ask that question. I would say traveling to places where I am obviously not from that place, you know, especially places where they do not necessarily see black people. So we're talking like Eastern Europe or something like that. South or West Europe, you know, they get like Spain, France, they get a lot of tourists. So it's kind of like they get kind of used to it. But some places you just get stared out. I've got racist slurs, you know, thrown my way. I've gotten like towards that things, restaurants were not open and then seeing customers coming a few minutes later. And I'm like, wait a minute, I thought it wasn't open. So I've really gotten those things that in my head will cancel a whole country or cancel a whole culture. But I'm very intentional about, again, not making one bad experience be that thing that I cover kind of like generalized to the whole population of people. So yeah, I've been my fair share, you know, now I'm a, a bit of a low cut, but when I had hair, people would just randomly come and drag on it and want to take pictures with me in the middle of, you know, me eating or something random. I'm just like, okay, can I have some space? So yeah, I get the whole, from the really 
bad treatment to where you can necessarily see they're saying the N-word in their own dialect to just being denied things in certain places. So again, it's how you take it. And I've tried not to make that stop me from going to places. Again, on my social media, I try to highlight it that this place is kind of like a place you should be conscious about, but it's not somewhere I'll say, do not go, do not visit. You just need to take everything with a pinch of salt, I guess. Absolutely, because you're in London, a major city, and we've been to major destinations and cities all around the world. And these are things sometimes that we can experience (laughs) at home. So no, you have to navigate it. You have to overcome it and find solutions to it. And most importantly, sometimes you have to realize that that's an issue that a person is having and you cannot make it your own. You have to continue to live life. You hope, yeah, hopefully <laughs> they will learn from it and move on. Yeah. And I'm okay calling it out too as well. I just don't take it on the chin. Sometimes I just say this is not acceptable. You shouldn't treat people this way. And hopefully they are able to reflect and change their ways. But we're talking about, you know, generational of mindsets, you know, passed on from one generation. Hopefully it breaks one day, but this is very ingrained in some people that I won't let their problem become my problem. And it's sad. Some people will say they won't visit a place or they will never go to that place because they had one racial story or something like that. And I try to make my page a bit more kind of like, this is what you might likely face, but there's all the goodness. There's also people that welcome me. So people that put that hope in their home to me. And it's again, focusing on the important things, I guess. Well, yeah, I think sometimes it's human nature. We focus too much or give too much focus to the negative and we erase all of the positive. So we may have had a 90% positive experience and a 10% negative experience and we focus everything on that 10%. It's going to happen. We as people of color, when you say Black, of course, we're from many different places, African-American, Nigeria, London, France, all over the world, 54 African countries. So we know what we're going to deal with. It's an age-old problem, unfortunately. But yeah, again, let's focus on the positive and just learn how to deal with it. And I like that you said you don't ignore it and just take it on the chin. You really do have to address it because the only thing that's going to bring about change is if we confront issues. We just need to know when to keep moving and your when- battles, you know. <laughs> exactly. So how many countries have you traveled to solo? Oh, I'll say some seven I've done total. I'll say about 50 solo out of the 77. Fantastic. I don't know the proper number, but it's definitely more <laughs> solo than group. I'll say that right now. But yeah, I'll say about 50, about 50 solo. I'm going to ask you the question that bugs me that people ask me because it's hard to narrow it down. But some of us have narrowed those things down. Favorite destination? No. (laughs) (laughs) I know I had to do it. Pick my best friend or like, you know, mother's (laughs) your favorite child. It's like, oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it for each continent. I think that's the best I can do. So within Europe, funny enough, I just flagged Eastern Europe. But what I found is it's affordable luxury and it's just quite really nice. I really love Montenegro. The fact that it's just very peaceful, it's very out of the way or Albania. If you're looking for Kosovo, if you're looking for somewhere that is not too Spain, France, Italy, which are the typical, and I, I'm air quoting as I'm speaking, the typical European destination people want to usually go 
to. Australia was amazing, life-changing, because I feel like that's the location you go to if you want to have a new life. It's just so far away and just away from everybody. And I feel like they live in a different planet in a way. Within Asia or that area, I really like India. India was, again, life transformational in terms of like, this was a location that people were just like, what are you doing in India? Why are you going to India? What's going on in India? And I was just like, why not? No, why not? Like, that's always my answer. When they go, why? I'm always like, why not? And that was great. That was an, an amazing experience. Like, you just see life, you know, it's almost Miami of Lagos. Like, it's very vibrant and you just got people hustling and doing the hustle and bustle of things. Yeah. I'll leave it to that. I was going to say America, but I'm not a big fan. <laughs> oh, that one hurts. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. There's some states. There's some states I really love. I was quite intrigued by Arizona. I know it's so random, but I think the heat, like waking up to sunshine, that's why I was so, first saw it at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. I'm just like, what is going on? I was quite young. It was one of my first destinations. But yeah, I think I'm more of a Canadian kind of girl than American. But for North America, well, it's North America. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you said, per, <laughs> as you said, per continent. Okay, um, <laughs> South America, I Brazil, Brazil won that for me. It took the whole flag and left nothing. I think I love Brazil again because I found people that spoke my language because they've obviously the slave trade was big there. So you have Nigerians, Brazilian Nigerians, which, you know, still speak Yoruba, my dialect and stuff. The food were almost identical. So it felt like home. It felt like I did. I was in Salvador, Manrio, and it was just amazing. Like Salvador, especially, it was just like, it came alive. I like places where it feels like there's a heartbeat to it and things are exciting and fast paced in a way. That was Salvador. Yes. And as you said, the largest part of the slave trade directly to Brazil came from Nigeria. So, yes. And the largest number of Africans outside of the African continent reside in Brazil. So that's a part of travel that I love. It's such a learning process. It Um, is a learning process. And even like the the slave trade, when we talk about that, the slave trade for the Brazil people allow them to keep their culture in a way in terms of their gods and the spirits and all of that. So they've really meant I was learning from them, like things I didn't even know that were part of the Yoruba culture. What I found with, you know, the American slave trade was like they were stripped of everything, their religion and everything. So it was quite because I traveled with an American for that trip. We did like a month around South America and I traveled with an African-American and she was just like, it's such a different narrative, a different story in terms of the Brazilian being able to keep their culture in a way and, you know, the impact of that. And slave is slave and slave trade, slave trade, and there's nothing positive, you know, about it. But it was just quite interesting just to see two different sides of the coin in a way. No, it is. It's a distinct difference in the way that a nation carried out their part in the mm-hmm. transatlantic slave trade, whether it was the Portuguese, the Spanish or the British. And I'm sure they talk amongst themselves as far as who was the most brutal, but the slave trade is the slave trade, isn't it? So how have your relationships been impacted with solo travel or had they? Relationships. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> well, re- relationships, as you said, you know, you travel solo. So a lot of okay. times it means we're leaving people behind or I see. people <laughs> who may or may not travel. I do group travel. And so I have a lot of female travelers who are married, mm. but, but their husbands don't travel with them. So they travel. So 
oftentimes okay. I find that you're leaving people behind or you have friends, not necessarily in a negative way. So impact isn't okay. always a negative impact, okay. but friends, relatives, spouses, children, so forth. Oh, yeah. I, I'm single. I'm single as they come. So <laughs> that's what I was trying to clarify what kind of relationship we're talking about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, I think definitely is an important factor for me in looking for a partner is someone that would be open to travel and has that kind of at least travel spirit, you know, wants to explore at least. Might not be as keen as me in terms of wanting to visit every single country in the world or something like that, but at least enjoy new things and exploration and all of that. So I don't think it has had any negative impact because I've not really had anyone to be like, bye, I'm leaving. But I know that would be important conversation and I think that's why I'm doing it so frequently and so often right now because I feel like this is a good time I'm not necessarily accountable to anyone or like I don't have that much of a responsibility I don't have a kid or husband or something like that so that just allows for freedom in a way in that sense of things in terms of friendship I have the most amazing friends we try to like meet up while I'm in town have dinners and while I'm on the road like we try to just talk to each other on the phone or zoom technology has made it so easy you know in a way to keep relationship even from distance so that's what we just try to do we just try to maintain that family you know mom mom still calls me every day while I'm on the road just like hey your life we're good okay super um, <laughs> so yeah it, it can be tough I don't want it to sound all rosy like there could be situation I've missed like weddings and important things because I've been on the road which just breaks my heart because I do want to be there genuinely so it's just navigating those things can be difficult sometimes but I think if there's proper communication and just I cannot make these but I'll try and make that and kind of putting some level of safeguarding in a way it does help it can be difficult but it is doable I always tell people everything is doable we just have to find a way to maneuver it Everything is doable. Absolutely. So <laughs> what are your top three tips for solo travel, especially, I would say, as a Black women and for a Black woman? Enjoy your company. I was telling people my stories yesterday about me going to the cinema to watch the new Wakanda movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I'm not paid to sponsor this, but I really enjoyed it. But I went solo. I took myself out on that date. I go on solo dates a lot to go to restaurants and eat by myself. Because these are the things that people kind of fear doing when they travel. So if you do them already in your comfort zone, which is your hometown or wherever, it just makes it a lot easier. So take yourself out on solo adventures in kind of your space, your day to day. I find that doing pockets of them just, you know, strength is almost like a muscle and you get better and better at it until you're able to do it in a foreign place so that's the first thing second thing is to start local like people always feel travel needs to be a million miles away before they qualify as traveling but honestly like you said starting in a nearby city nearby town just doing something that is familiar to you as well and then finally just stay in communication i think against what people fear is getting lost getting kidnapped crazy stuff happening to you but like just small things like once I land in a new destination, I make sure I have like a SIM card, something that at least I can keep in contact with people that love and care about me. If something happened to me, I can do like a quick SOS kind of thing. So just setting those things, emotions, I feel those are the small things, but I feel they're quite tangible to just get you going and just do it. Book that solo trip. You will do it as scared. If I do it, 
petrified, just do it. And once you get back home, once you've done the first one, it's almost addictive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell you about that bit. (laughs) I call it the travel bug. Yes, there's a travel bug. And once you're bit, it's over. It's a wrap. You just have to go (laughs) all the time. And people don't really understand it until you do it. Then you realize, yes, okay, when's my next trip? You're planning your next trip. When you start booking flights on the flight back home, then you know you've got a problem. You've got the bug. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today. How do we follow you on social media? On Instagram, I'm known as at palumi.nubi. Or you can find me right now. You can't see the, I forgot the radio show, but there's flashes right now because I'm actually doing a product shoot for travel affirmation card I created, which is called Comfy Trav. Um, I think one of the things like we're talking about the mindset block of people disqualifying themselves saying they cannot have these new experiences or they cannot try something new. So I created this deck of cards, which just affirms your travel. So you pick it up and it says, I belong here. I am wanted here. I can travel. Travel is accessible to me. And it's just a whole variation of different information. So I'm mostly on that platform, which is called Comfy, C-O-M-F-Y and Trav, T-R-A-V underscore for Instagram. And then on the website, ComfyTrav.com. And yeah, I think it's a good festive period gift because we travelers are kind of getting tired of getting jumpers and random things for our travels. We want something tangible that we can use. So hopefully that's something that someone can give during this festive period. But that's mostly what I'm doing, building Comfy Trav and getting more people excited about exploring and traveling. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again. So Palumi is P-E-L-U-M-I, newbie, N-U-B-I. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and check her out. Some wonderful tips, wonderful stories. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a good laugh. You're the best. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) When we come back, I've got the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you visit the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with me on social media and don't forget to join that travel club because we go some fantastic places and we want to make sure that you're on the list and in the know when we're on the go so that you can join us. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, food, music, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Today, we're talking about being a solo traveler, not just a solo traveler, but a female solo traveler and a black female solo traveler. And I have a couple of guests that are going to be on with me today to share their experiences. And I'm chatting with Shakima. Smith, aka the passport abuser. She's also a travel influencer from East Orange, New Jersey. Well, hello, Shakima, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hi, thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. So excited to chat with you. So how long have you been a solo traveler? I started my solo travel journey in 2017. And what was that catalyst that said, you know what, I'm going to do this alone? Javon, you might want to grab some tea and popcorn and like 
have a seat, girl. It's a lot. So I ended up planning a trip for my birthday and I ended up getting stranded on the vacation for my birthday. And from there on, I decided I'm not planning any more trips with anyone else. I'm just going to travel by myself. Now, when you say stranded, explain. Yeah, so I went on vacation with two friends for my birthday, and we ended up going to Amsterdam. And while we were in Amsterdam, I had a friend who her ex-boyfriend sent her an email, and he said, you know, if you buy me a flight to Egypt, then maybe me and you can discuss getting back together. And while we were sitting there in the coffee shop in Amsterdam, I was just like, hey, you know, I feel like he's using you like you're 25 and he's 42 and he's telling you to buy him a plane ticket so you guys can discuss getting back together. It seems like he takes advantage of you. And for the rest of the day, she didn't speak to me. And the next morning I woke up and she just wasn't in the hotel room. And I called her and I was like, hey, like, where are you? And she was like, oh, I left. I got my own room. And from there on, I was like, I'm never planning any trips with anyone again. So from that moment on, you were a solo traveler on that trip, even though you didn't set out to be a solo traveler on that trip. Right, Javon. I always tell people I didn't choose solo travel. Solo travel chose me. (laughs) So what did you do from that moment on? How did you continue the rest of the trip? Honestly, I didn't. I was really scared. So I called my mom. I cried my eyes out and she said, no problem. Let's change your flight and you'll be on the next flight home. So I didn't continue the trip. And you know what, Javon? After that, I felt so many different things, but I think the biggest thing that I felt was disappointment in myself. Like, you know, hey, you're born by yourself. You went out there, somebody flaked on you and you couldn't even enjoy your trip. Like you couldn't even hold your head high for your birthday. Like you couldn't stick up for yourself. And so that was that moment for me that I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust my own instincts. I'm going to feel more self-independent. I'm going to get out there on my own. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of the challenge that for you, you were already there and then you decided to cut your trip short. But I think for a lot of people, especially women, that we don't feel that we can, let me just go on a trip by myself. And I'll be honest with you because I do a lot of group travel and I get so many people who missed out on trips because they were waiting for a friend to go with them. And that friend never either came up with the money or made other plans and just flaked on them, as you said, your friend did while on the trip. And then they missed opportunities. And so they wind up on the next one and say, that's not going to happen to me again. I'm going to just go ahead and go. But that happened to you while you were on a trip. So what were you kind of thinking about that said, you know what, instead of me continuing the trip and doing the things we plan to do, I'm just going to buy a ticket and go home. I think what was going through my mind was like, okay, I came out here with someone else. So I don't know how to be by myself. I wasn't even expecting that. And the thought of being alone is so uncomfortable and foreign to me. And it's making me scared. I'm in a new country. I don't know anyone else in Amsterdam. So I just kind of felt like the walls were closing in on me at that moment. But once I got home, I kind of looked back at my actions and I was like, man, I feel so defeated that I was such a wuss. I couldn't even enjoy my own company for my birthday. 
you know, after I saved up for the plane ticket. So that kind of lit a fire under me to be like, okay, you know what? What am I going to do this time? Like, what is going to be the get back for myself to prove to myself, not to anyone else, but just to prove to myself that I can enjoy my own company. How long did it take you to get on another journey and to do it alone? And where was that trip? So it took me about eight months, Javon. I literally like got a notebook and I was like, okay, I wrote down every single situation that could possibly go wrong on my first solo trip. And then I brainstormed on how I could be prepared for it if it happened. And after about eight months of taking notes, I had this ugly five subject yellow notebook and I took the notebook with me to Paris and I took a picture of the Eiffel Tower with me on the plane. So that way, if I got anxious on the plane, I could just remember where I was going and have that visual that I was doing it. I was making it happen. Country number one has now turned into country 63. So I can't believe I did it. How did you approach it? Did you put together a scheduled tour and or itinerary or did you just go in mind with thinking these are the things that I want to do and I'll wing it when I get there? No, I definitely had an itinerary planned out by the day where I would eat, where I would be staying, how far the hotel was from the tour that I purchased on Viator or Airbnb experiences. So I was pretty strategic about documenting every single thing that I'd be doing. Out of the 63 countries that you've been to, what would you say was the most challenging, specifically as a solo and female traveler? I think India and Brazil were to me the most challenging only because, you know, they say Rio Brazil is like so dangerous. And so I think there was hard for me solo because I was just like always like super hyper vigilant to the point where I could barely really relax because I had heard so many things about being robbed on the beach in Brazil. So I was like afraid to just tan and close my eyes for more than three seconds because Mm -hmm. I'm like, what if somebody tries to rob me on the beach? And India too was kind of hard. New Delhi, that was just kind of like a little intimidating, but But I had a tour guide with me that I met up with every morning and I ordered his services on Viator. So he was like a local who would show me around every day. But yeah, I think those two were like the most challenging. Now, you say that was the idea that you had of Brazil. But when you got there, was it actually that way or was it more of your anxiety about it? that made it more challenging for you? No, I think my anxiety played a part in it based on the things that I had heard. But to be honest, India and Brazil were exactly what people said it would be. (laughs) It was fun. But in terms of safety, yes, it's like, okay, this is like not the safest situation. I see. And so when you're talking about safety and security, I think it's top of mind for any traveler more so for a solo traveler, and even more so as a female solo traveler and a Black female solo traveler. We just add those extra layers on to what we need to think about when it comes to safety and security. So how do you prepare in advance before going to a country? That's such an awesome question, Javon. So one of the things that I do is I enroll in the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program aka the STEP program. And most people don't know that there's actually a free service for U.S. citizens traveling abroad to enroll in the local U.S. embassy for every single country that you're going to visit. 
So most people don't even think to contact the U.S. Embassy before they go and provide them with a copy of your day-by-day itinerary. So that way the U.S. Embassy, they already know what tour you're doing, which hotel you're going to stay at. They already know all the things that you're going to be doing because you sent it to them before you got there. Most people don't even know that that service exists. So that's something that I've always done from country number one all the way to country 63. Have you felt that it's been a bit more challenging being a Black solo traveler and female? So I could kind of go in between. So on one hand, I do feel like there's an added layer to being a Black female solo traveler. But I'm not sure if it's just in my head. So basically, whenever I'm going somewhere, I always look up like, how do they treat Black people? Like, I find myself Googling weird things like, is there racism in Iceland? Just because I'm like, well, how do they receive Black people? But then there's another part of me that's like, hey, if someone's being a jerk to you, they may just be a jerk to everybody. It may not be because you're Black. They're just a nasty person to anyone. What are your top three tips for someone who is considering becoming a solo traveler. If you want to choose a country for your first solo trip, I'd say make sure the country is English speaking. That's one less barrier that you'll have. The second thing is try to choose somewhere for your first solo trip that's like no more than four hours away from home. So that way it's a little less anxiety because you know that you're not that far away from home. Get on Airbnb.com and instead of selecting stays, select experiences Because a lot of the times I hear women say, I'll be bored if I go alone. But if you get on Airbnb experiences, if you go to Columbia, you can do a cooking class. When I went to South Africa, Johannesburg, I went on Airbnb experiences and I took a class on how to speak Afrikaans. There's always something that you can do on Airbnb.com under the experiences. And you can also get a photo shoot in every country as well. Also, put the flights on layaway. When I wanted to solo travel, but I was buying a house, I didn't want to get any credit cards or have any inquiries on my credit because I was in the home buying process. But I still wanted to travel, but I also was on a budget, right? So I had all these different scenarios going on in the background where I had to save my money, but I can't run my credit because I'm buying a house. So I put my flights on layaway. So that way, no credit checks. I didn't have to put it on a credit card. And also, I didn't have to pay for the flight up front either. There's so many different things that you guys can do to start your solo travel journey. You can follow me on Instagram at The Passport Abuser, where I give out tips every day on how to start your solo travel journey. And also, you guys can hit me up on my website, Travel Like a Boss. Boss is spelled B-A-W-S-E, Travel Like a Boss, B-A-W-S-E. Well, Shakima, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for some wonderful tips. And hopefully we can get some more folks out there to be a solo traveler. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and